0: Welcome to Inner Life Online. This message was preached at Inner Life Church, Tullamarine, Australia. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you. Amen. Amen. You can be seated and it's so good to see your faces here. And I know there's people at home. Congrats that you're joining us again here at Inner Life Church. We're so blessed that your presence is here. So get on that keyboard, you keyboard warriors. And let everyone know through those emojis that you're having a good time. If anyone remembers last year, you know what this means. Yeah, a bit of fire emoji. Feel free this morning in the seats, if I see the fire go up, I know that's good. Something good has dropped into your account today. But uh, today's a special day. Before I get into anything, I just want to let maybe someone who doesn't know that today, uh, this week has been our National Appreciation Week for Volunteers. Yeah, so for volunteers that volunteer in hospitals, first responders, ambulances, uh, RSA, um, SES, everyone who volunteers. Also, with a church like ours, we have a whole lot of servant leaders that volunteer. This week is a week, I think it's from the 17th to 23rd of May, where we recognize that and it's a whole week to celebrate all those who volunteer. So I just want to let you know that what we've even experienced today doesn't just happen. Um, It wasn't a big bang and we just all appeared here and we're making this possible. There's intentionality behind it. There's planning. And without all the many servant leaders that serve in this church, we wouldn't have the services, the community, and the missional people that we have here. So can we all together just thank everyone who serves? Amen. So many people. I'm not going to try to name them, but thank you. Awesome. Awesome. We are passionate about getting on mission together, um, which is so cool. And again, I see some new faces. So again, can we just welcome all the new people? We love you. We see you. And after the service, um, we've got a coffee with your name on it. So make sure you go to the Overflow Room and come check it out there. And if you're like me, you don't drink coffee, I'm sure we'll figure something out. We'll get you a nice water because, yeah, it's good to stay hydrated. Awesome. So, yeah, we're in this series called Unashamed. And this is now part three. Um, And this series has been great. Like I shared in part one, this has been a real challenge to me. The Lord really put this on my heart, um, you know, that we need to be a people who really live unashamed and we've talked in this series that yeah, our key verse is in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 and it says yeah that I will not be ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation first for the Jew and the Greek and to the whole world basically the gospel is for everyone and this series I don't know about you but for me it's just a fresh reminder that there's people in our lives there's people that we meet yeah, that maybe don't know God, maybe have an idea of God, or maybe have a concept of God, but we have the privilege. As people who know God, we have the privilege and the opportunity and, I guess, the, the mission, the mandate to go and share the love and the story of Jesus with people. And as much as that can be sound like a big thing or that can be a bit scary for some of us, we've tried to simplify it in this series simply by saying this. To live unashamed means to love people around you whilst being courageously open about what Jesus means to you. Yeah? I'll say it again. It's simply loving people around you, at work, in your family, um, your neighbors. Love them so that then you can have an opportunity to courageously be bold and be brave about sharing what Jesus has done in your life. And we all can do that. You don't have to be a big personality. You don't have to be the loudest in the room. You have a story. You have a testimony. You have God doing something in your life. And if we be a bit bold and we be courageous, I know that more people can encounter God As we lived unashamed. So I want you to declare this morning, say, I am unashamed. I I mean, even if you don't believe it, say it again, "I I am unashamed. Awesome. Awesome. And basically, the first two parts of this series, part one was about understanding God's heart for people, that God is for the one. Last week, we had Tim the evangelist, shout out to him, amazing word. He shared with passion and power, and he really showed us how, yeah, we need to go and we need to share. And it's not something we do, it's actually who we are. It's a part of who we are as believers. We're called to be reconcilers. And he told us how to do it through word, through power, and through love. And today and next week, the last two parts of this series, we really want to unpack, okay, practically, how can we do that? Because if you're like me, sharing your faith can sometimes be challenging. Let's be honest. You can have awkward moments, and I'm the king of awkward moments. You know that by now. I'll try to create one. No. But, yeah, sharing our faith. See, I've made one. Sharing our faith can be, can be different. And I've heard it put like this. Evangelism is a lot like going to a wedding. And you know when everyone dances? It's like that period, yeah? So in evangelism, sometimes you're like, should I, shouldn't I? If I do it, will I make a fool of myself? If I fall on my face, will someone record it and put it on YouTube? Just like at a wedding, should I go and dance with my partner? I really want to. I know this will tick a box. If you're a guy, it'll add points, brownie points later. But... I don't want to get up and dance at a wedding, look like a fool, and I'll see myself on YouTube in a few weeks falling on my face. And like in evangelism, if we yeah, are too timid or too scared and are too worried about what we might look like, we end up sitting down, staying in the corner, not sharing our faith at work or wherever we are, and we end up not really doing anything. And it's similar to at a wedding. You sit down and you end up talking to that, that great uncle of yours who's got a weird collection and you hear all about it, and no one really wants that, yeah? So like at a wedding, the best thing to do is get up and enjoy yourself. And I'm trying to say, hey, as believers in Christ who have a relationship with Jesus, let's be bold. Let's get up. Let's share. Let's dance a little bit. And even if we look a little funny, it's not about us. It's about yeah, the people that we're reaching. Does that make sense this morning? So evangelism can be like dancing at a wedding. Next time you're at a wedding, keep that in mind. Awesome. So this morning, I know it's hard and I know sometimes it can be difficult, but it's not optional for us as believers. Yeah. If we want to love God and love people and make disciples, the first part of discipleship starts with evangelism. You can't disciple someone, which means to make them like Jesus. You can't make people like Jesus without sharing who Jesus is first. So this is critical for us as a church. Our mission is not going to move forward unless we all take on this attitude, this perspective of being unashamed. Are you with me? So I'm going to talk into that today. And I feel like we've got awareness that it's God's heart, but now it's time for action. Awareness is great. But action is better. Amen. So this morning, that's what I'll be talking about. Um, and I'm believing that we're all going to hear from God. And I really am passionate about the particular story that I'm going to share. So I'm just going to pray. I invite you to just pray with me. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity. I thank you, God, that you're here this morning. Um, and you've put a message on my heart. Help me, Holy Spirit, communicate that to all the different people in the room, whether we know Jesus or whether we don't whether we're we're loving this series and we're bold or maybe we're still sitting on the fence about it, I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that we'll hear from you and that we will all leave here further encouraged and having an encounter with you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Have you realized that if you love something and you're passionate about something that you talk about it? Yeah? Maybe you're passionate about your sports team and you know every player in the team and when there's articles written about plays in the team and this coach is moving here, you, you're like, no, 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 I'll set the record straight. You're happy to fix misunderstandings about the object of your love because you're just so passionate about that thing, your team. Or maybe you love clothing. Yeah, like this man over here who at any opportunity, I'm talking about Tim now, uh, he talks about the shoes that he's got or he talks about the shoes that he's, yeah, he, he loves his shoes, hence he talks about it. Yeah, you got Pastor David and Zoe. They've had a little newborn, got a haircut recently, looks even cuter. He's leveled up in his cuteness. Talking about Dion Stafford. Yeah, no one loves Dion Stafford. I love Dion Stafford. Shout out. Come on, come on, church. It's not a funeral. This is a church service. You can laugh, you can cry, you can leave, you can do whatever. Um, but David and Zoe are constantly talking about, you see their stories lately on Instagram. They're posting about this little cute bundle of joy. Why? Because they love him. It's natural and normal to talk about the things that you love. During COVID, um, I know people were eating at different restaurants and maybe you were limited to your 5K. Within my 5K, Grace and I found this little Thai place. And if you talk to us during COVID, as much as talking about, hey, let's pray that this ends and let's pray, you'll be hearing me talk about this Thai restaurant for the last year because any moment I can, I forced it into the conversation. Hey, dual man, how's things? How's the family? Good. Can you smell that? Smell what? I smell like food. Are you hungry? Guess what? There's a Thai place. And as I ask questions, yeah, 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 that's cool, that's cool. Do you like Thai? What? Do you like Thai? Because it's this awesome place and it's so good, it's cheap, it tastes good. Have you been? And I'm pushing this agenda for Thai, Thai food, because I found this place that I love, it's cheap, and because I love it, I'm happy to share about it. And when people have gone and be like, oh, I didn't really like it, I'm like, that's you. No, 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 no. That's not you. Maybe it's not a, it's not a product problem, that's a user problem. Maybe you didn't eat it right, it wasn't hot enough. Don't pull down the tie place because it's your mistake. I'm protecting the thing I love. Now, again, to all of us in the room, yeah, we all love Jesus. Um, we, we, We talk to him. We have a relationship with him. It's actually abnormal not to share the Jesus that we love. For some reason, we're so happy to share, hey, I watched this movie on the weekend. You should go and watch it. It's awesome. We're boldly sharing about stuff we watch, stuff we wear, places we go. But when it comes to our faith, we, we silence it. We put a basket on the light. But you know what? That's, that's, that shouldn't be. We should be just as bold about sharing our faith as we are Thai food, shoes we wear, our children. Are you with me? So obviously there's a tension there. Obviously we need to do something to fix it. And this morning I want to talk about how can I share my faith to the, the kids in my classroom? How can I share... This Jesus, this love I have about God with the people in my workplace. Maybe you have unsafe family and you have them over for dinner. How can I share but not be weird and not have to wear a crown of thorns on my head during dinner to get the conversation appointed to, to Jesus or wear a big Jesus loves you t shirt all the time? Yeah? There's a way to do it. And I believe we're going to look at Jesus and let Jesus teach us how we can evangelize and let Jesus teach us how we can share our faith effectively. And there's one thought I want to leave you with this morning. Yeah, you've come in. I'm giving you like the, the answers at the back of the book before we even start. The one thought I want you to walk out today with is this, that evangelism, it's deeply personal. Yeah, evangelism is deeply personal. There is no many ways to go about it. Yeah. There's no cookie cutter formula that you can use on everyone you meet. And you go to anyone and you're just like, hey, hey, cool, cool, cool. Guess what? Blah, blah, blah. And you spit out your formula. There's not just one way of doing it where regardless of personality, regardless of gender, regardless of you approach it with one line or one way. No, 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 no. Evangelism is deeply personal. And I've written this. There are as many different ways to talk to people about faith and Christianity as there are people. There are as many different ways to talk to people about Christianity as there are people. And that's why I've called this message, It's Personal. Because if we're going to really share our faith and feel bold and feel empowered to, we've got to be okay with not having a formula, trusting the Holy Spirit, trusting what's inside of us, and trusting our own testimony, our own experience, and just courageously loving people and sharing what Jesus means means to us. Yeah, about what he's done in our lives. Are you with me, church? Cool. So we're going to look at Jesus. We're going to learn some evangelism 101 from him. And I believe we're all going to take something out of this. Cool. So let's go to John chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles. And he's having a chat with a woman at the well. Um, this is probably the most preached passage. Maybe the prodigal sign is up there that gets used. And I've shared from this multiple times, but I love this story. But I want you to read with me today. Because we are reading this story through the lens of we're going to watch Jesus' approach, his strategy, not just the, the story itself. Okay, And if you don't know Jesus, throughout this message, I'm going to be talking to you as well. And at the end, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to him. Maybe you know him, maybe you don't. But I believe and I know he wants to meet you today. Yeah, He wants to change your life. And it starts with an invitation and there's a whole new journey to begin, but it starts by saying yes to Jesus. So at the end of the today, I'm going to give you that opportunity. And for those at home, stay with me. I want to talk to you too. So just a bit of a context real quick. Jesus is about to have a conversation with a Samaritan woman, and we are going to see how Jesus led her on a journey to freedom and faith, yet all through this conversation. How many of you know that one conversation can actually change someone's whole world? Just one conversation. So I'm going to read and I'm going to sort of go through it. As we go, so let's start from verse 5. It says, So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. Shout out to anyone who thinks Jesus is not like us, doesn't get tired, doesn't have thoughts, doesn't have a humanity. It says here that Jesus was weary. You can be weary and still be a Christian, okay? It's okay. He was weary. Think of that. He's sitting down. He's tired. Whew. Big day. Miracles. I'm weary. He's sitting down. It says, Jesus therefore, oh, sorry. It was about the sixth hour of the day. That's the hottest part of the day, right in the middle of the day. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. That's great etiquette right there. Give me a drink. For well, his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. All right, so Jesus is alone. Twelve disciples have gone to get some lunch. Now, I don't know about you, it takes 12 guys to get some groceries. 12 of them to grab a few groceries. Meanwhile, I don't know about you, but my wife carries 12 bags. But it takes 12 men to just grab what probably one woman could do herself. Come on, guys, let's do better. It says here that the disciples are there. They've left Jesus alone. And it said, the woman said, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And again, it's the writer here, the author trying to tell us that yeah, Jews and Samaritans don't mix. Women and men don't talk publicly in this, part, in this day and age. So what's happening here is, is not normal. What's happening here is not okay. Jesus is coloring outside the lines, if I can say it like that. And he's talking to a woman in public and not just any woman, a Samaritan woman. He's a Jew, she's a Samaritan. They should, there's hatred there, hostility there. But yet Jesus keeps talking. Let's find out how the convo goes. It says this, um, verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is it who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus going deep really quick with the analogy. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus, verse 13, answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain, springing up into everlasting life. Come on, you have a drink, and then that drink turns into a fountain. It's amazing. Verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. She's like, cha-ching, this is a great opportunity. One drink, I'll never have to come back. This is what I'm looking for. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. He changes topic, it seems like. Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. Now, to really understand this, we have to put a massive pause in between verse 18 and 19, okay? So let's read. I'll read verse 18. I'll pause, and then I'll read verse 19 so you can see what's happening. For you have five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman then said, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worship on the mountain, and you Jews say that it's in Jerusalem, the place where you now ought to worship. Can you see what's happening? She's like trying to change the subject. He starts talking about her personal life and she's like, okay, I see you're a prophet. Let's talk about theology for a second. And what follows is just a little conversation about theology. She's trying to throw Jesus off the scent, off the trail, trying to lose him. She's not, she's not liking where Jesus is taking this conversation. It's getting really personal. But eventually we get to verse 25 and I'll jump there. It says this, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And then Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, am he. Wow. What a conversation. The longest conversation in the Bible with Jesus talking to anyone, mind you. And he's having this long conversation and there's a lot in it. But I really want to look at it and just pull out three steps from Jesus' strategy that he uses to take this woman from freedom to faith. Yeah, from freedom into faith, sorry. Because he totally transforms this girl's life. And I'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later. So there's three things that he does. Number one is initiate. Number two, investigate. And number three, illuminate. Okay? And I'll be walking you through those three things into this story. So if you want to be able to share your faith, if you want to get a bit more courageous, if you want to know how you can do it to people at work, people at school, people in your unsafe family, we've got to initiate. First and foremost, we've got to initiate. We've just got to say something, yeah? In order for you to have a conversation, I think you should know this by now, but you've got to start somewhere. Hey, how are you doing? You start the conversation, you initiate. And what we see here is Jesus initiates this conversation. How's he say it? Give me a drink. <laughs> if I said that to my wife, she'd slap me. Grace, give me a drink. Like borderline, that's not okay, let alone you don't know this woman. But Jesus is saying this, he wants to evoke her attention. Yeah, he wants to get her to say, Hey, look at me, listen to me. He starts the conversation and he says, you know. Give me a drink. Next minute, he's saying, I'm going to give you living water, a nice sparkling analogy to draw her into this conversation. So we need to be able to initiate with people by practically getting their attention and then inviting them to dig a bit deeper. Let's start something with someone. Let's love on somebody. Let's just start a conversation with the person at the Safeway checkout or the person at the drive-thru or the person at the petrol station or the person across from you in the tram it's time to just initiate. Are you with me, church? We've just got to talk to somebody. And you'll notice that in verse 6, it says that she came, or the time of the day was noon. Yeah? It's the heat of the day. Most historians tell us yeah, that she was there alone at the well because most women come in the morning. Most women come at the cool of the day when, when you're going to come and take the water, you're going to carry it on your head, or you're going to carry a few pots of water. You don't come in the, in the, the hottest part of the day. That's silly. The only reason she's coming at this part of the day is because most historians tell us and all agree that she is a moral outcast. She's a promiscuous woman. She, her behavior in some way or another has put her in a place where she's no longer worthy to even come with the other ladies in the morning. She's not a part of that little club. She's an outcast. And now she's coming at the heat of the day alone, ostracized and feeling even isolated. And Jesus is engaging this conversation with this woman. Yeah? You notice... First thing she says, he's like, you are talking to me? A Jew talking to me? What's he doing? He's actually crossing, yeah, this racism barrier. He's actually crossing this gender barrier. He's crossing this, this moral barrier. Jesus crosses every barrier. And you see, most of the time when we engage with people, when we initiate conversations, we'll only talk to people that are like safe conversations. So if you know that this convo is going to be real quick and real, you know, like as you're going out the checkout, out. Hope, how are you? How are you doing? Cool. See you later. Because you know there's no way this can, this can end in a deep conversation. Do you going to be a quickie. But Jesus doesn't follow those rules. He actually tries to talk to people that he's not meant to talk to. Yeah, we find conversations with people that we like, that are like us, sound like us, vote like us, believe like us. But Jesus doesn't look like that. He looks to have conversations with people he's not meant to. Because he's trying to meet people for God. He's trying to initiate something with someone. He's trying to reach someone through having a conversation I've written down here, you'll be surprised how much a little bit will go a long way in our day and age. Yeah, we live in a time where it's so void of passion and genuine kindness. If you just initiate a little bit and just pause and say, hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? You see someone's downtrodden. You see they're stressing. The boss has just yelled at them. Just say, hey, you know, that happens all the time. Just, just free them up a little bit. Create like an icebreaker for this person. Or maybe you've got someone on the tram who just looks really negative. You see them every day because you go to that, you know, on that tram to work. Go up to them and just initiate something. If you do, the little bit you do, you'll realize will go a long way because the world is so void when we do one little thing, it actually shines really bright. So it's good for us. The darker things get, the brighter we shine. It's actually good. We, we shine brighter on the dark backdrop of society. Are you with me? So if we initiate, something will happen. And if we don't let... If we don't allow what we see to change what we say, you'll find that you're going to share your faith more than you ever have before. When you see someone and they look like they're, they're one of those people in your mind that you feel like, I shouldn't talk to them. You've got to change that mindset. Or they've got tattoos, they've got piercings, they've got, they smell a certain way. Or they, if you have put limitations on who you think is worthy of the gospel, then you've probably missed the point entirely already. Because the gospel is for Everyone. And is this a certain thing that someone's doing that you don't agree with? Doesn't matter. Your job is to love them. Your job is to find the common denominator that they are made in the image of God, regardless of how they dress, what they look like. They deserve the gospel just as much as I do. And I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to initiate. Are you with me? It starts with initiate. Jesus initiated with Pharisees, the broken, the outcasts, every single person he met. He was never he was never ashamed to initiate. Are you with me? So let's be initiated. Step two is now we investigate. And this is where it takes a little bit of effort. This is where it's going to cost us maybe face. We're going to have to, you know, you got the butterflies. I get butterflies all the time. Every week before I get up here, I get the butterflies. So if you don't do anything because you get butterflies, then you might as well just stay in bed, not even get out of bed. Because you're going to find that most of the things in life that you're called to, you're going to have fear before you even do it. Yeah, Most of the things that God calls us to, is we're going to be fearful. Hence, he always says, be courageous. I'm with you. Hey, just, just know that I've got you because he calls us to do things that we are uncomfortable. That's why we've got God's spirit, the comforter, because he calls us to do uncomfortable things. That's why we got him. So If you live comfortable, you don't even need the Holy Spirit because he comes to comfort you when you're uncomfortable. Are you with me? Yeah. So we need to investigate. And this is where it costs us. This is where I think for Jesus, I didn't read it, but verse four says he needed to go through Samaria. He determined, we're not sure why, God told him, he wanted, but it says he needed to go to Samaria. Now, again, to make this make sense, he's moving from, I think, north to south. Yeah, or I might have to edit that next week, or south to north, one or the other. But he's moving from one place to another. Samaria's smack bang in the middle. Most Jews go around Samaria. They never go through Samaria. One, because they, they hate them. They don't agree with their beliefs. The Samaritans have taken a bit of Judaism, their, their beliefs, and mix it with some pagan... Stuff which is like other gods. And they're like, we don't mix with these people. The dirt of their floor is not worthy to come into Jerusalem. They shake the dust off their feet before they go through Samaria into now Jerusalem. There's this real negativity. But it says that Jesus wanted to go through Samaria. Jesus doesn't avoid difficult people. He actually goes for them. He doesn't avoid discomfort. He actually runs and runs head on into it. Because he wants to investigate and we see in this conversation that he starts to investigate. And I bet you, if me and you really started to investigate with our time, investigate with our finances, investigate with our energy, we wouldn't be avoiding the lost people, the, the broken people, would actually start to look for them. Most of us haven't had so, you know, as many God encounters, haven't seen as many people find faith. It's because we hang out with too many Christians. We're not around the lost people. Probably where you don't see many people who are lost get saved because we have our little Christian cliques and we have our little saint suppers and we, we're with Christians all the time. And I'm saying I'm putting the challenge on you just as I am me. But if we only hang around Christians and how are we ever going to see people get saved who are lost? You've got to be around some lost people. And what Jesus does here, I wrote this down, um, a lot of us aren't seeing God moving or seeing revival because we've surrounded ourselves with our comfortable Christian four to five worlds. We need to meet some lost people. And we need to start getting into the world, as Jesus told us, to go into the world. But when you start investigating, when you start doing some research, asking questions, you know what's going to happen? You're going to see more lost people saved. You're going to actually meet people that you haven't been able to meet, to build relationships with them that you haven't been able to build, to now start to see people saved that you haven't been able to see them saved. Jesus went out of his way to meet a person that he wouldn't meet so that God could do something he wasn't going to do. But he decided, I'm going to go through Samaria. I'm going to investigate. I'm going to ask questions. And I love this about Jesus. So let's look at verse 15, yeah? Going to verse 15. He says this. Sorry, she says, the woman said, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. And Jesus' responds. you think he's changing the subject. His response, to she says, show me the water. He says this. Go and call your husband to come here. <laughs> Give me this water. Go get your husband. Where's your hubby? And she's like, oh, no. And he's like, and then let's read what he says next. Uh, the woman said, I have no husband. So I was like, bam, "Bam, you don't want to lie to God. He said, you're right. You have no husband because you've had five. And the one you're with now, he's not your husband. And so what you said is pretty true. And then there's a huge pause. And she's like, so I see you're a prophet. Uh, let's talk about theology. She's very young. Jesus, she says, what's the living water? And he says, cool, let's talk about your sex life. And she's like, what the heck? And we might even think that's rude. What's he doing? Uh, but obviously, God's given him insights into her life. And shout out, if you want God to give you insights, we'll start talking about God to people. And he'll give you insights. He doesn't give you the insights unless, yeah, unless you're reaching out. But God, he's reaching out through Jesus Jesus gets insight, and he's actually saying this. He's not actually calling her out. He's not trying to shame her. He's actually trying to show her something. And this is what we need to learn, that Jesus, because he's so passionate about people, when she says, show me the living water, he says, show me your husbands, she thinks, what are you doing? He's actually trying to show her that you're actually looking for the living water. And you know where you're looking for? In relationships. And what you're looking for in relationships, I actually am. And in this moment, show me the living water. He's like, cool, I'll show you the living water. Show me your husbands. Because it's in your pursuit of these relationships, you're trying to fulfill your soul. And in this soul pursuit to fulfill yourself through your third and your fourth and your fifth and now the sixth, you're actually trying to fill yourself with something that only I can provide. And you know what? Some of us, we we have the same soul thirst and we try to fill our soul with, with career. Some of us do it through business. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I have this desire, this dissatisfaction, but you're trying to fill it maybe with family. I've got to meet that right person. I've got to get that house. I've got to to, to look the part. I've got to be around the right people. We all try to fulfill that craving in our soul some way or other, but guess what? Jesus says here, and he says it to her, he says it to me, he says it to all of us, that I am the only one who can give you living water. It's not in your husband's. I'm the only one who can give you living water. And he uses this analogy, yeah, of water. And thing about water is water is one thing that no man has created, but yet it's one thing that none of us can live without. It's quite amazing. So he like takes this analogy, this is what the genius of Jesus, he's like, I'll give you living water, you can come to me. He's basically saying that just like your body needs water, your spirit needs me. And just as dependent you are for this physical water, your spirit is even more dependent on what I can give you. And no, that sixth husband can't give it to your sister. You need living water. No, I don't. Well, how many husbands you got? Because you're looking for it. And he's like, hey, I'm not here to shame you. I'm actually here to love you. And he's like, the living water you need, is in me. And while she goes off into, let's discuss theology. Let's ask, do we worship on that mountain? He's like, hey, I am he. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one. I'm the one you're looking for. I'm the living water. And what he says to her, I believe he wants to say to someone this morning, that Jesus is the one that you're looking for. If you're feeling dissatisfied, Jesus is the one. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the hope. Whatever you think you need, behind that is actually the deeper need It's actually Jesus. Yeah? And I'm not saying that because I know it all. I'm just saying that because God's designed you that way. You're made in the image of God. And until you've got God in you, you're never going to feel complete. But it's okay. Jesus loves you. He died for you. And that's why today we're going to give you an opportunity to start your journey with Jesus and be complete. Amen. Just like Jesus did to this woman. And I wrote here, he's saying to her, "Um, what I have is necessary to you spiritually, what water is to you physically. What I have for you is necessary to your spirit like water is to your body. And I think that's so powerful. He investigates. He spends time with her. And then he actually gets to radically change her life. And how does he do that? The last step. So he's initiated. Number one, we need to be people who initiate. We initiate, we're going to share our faith like never before. Number two, we're going to investigate a little bit. We're going to ask questions. We're going to talk to people. We're going to have open conversations, open dialogues with people from other religions. Not to say you're wrong. Ah, This is the right way. No. Listen. Listen to what they're saying because behind what they're saying, you're going to find what are they really thirsting for. And then you can do the point three. Step three is illuminate. Initiate. Investigate, illuminate. Illuminate simply means to turn something on and to let it stay on. Keep it on. Yeah? We're not called to be a strobe on and off and on and off. <laughs> no. Your faith, your walk with God is not meant to be like a strobe light to the people around you. We like You preach it, Jesus, he loves you. And then you're like, move over, you jackass. Doing donuts and birdies out the window, people. Or, you know, ATO's calling you, hey, you got all this money you smuggled. You're like, I love Jesus, it's for Jesus. No. If we're gonna be true examples of Jesus, we've got to illuminate. That means we always shine. The light is always on in our finances, in our family, in our business, in our the way we talk, the way we act, everything everywhere. Doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means we're we're pursuing authentic relationship with Jesus. We're gonna make mistakes, but we know how to repent, we know how to turn, wash our hands, and keep trying better to be more like Jesus. Yeah. We've got to initiate, we've got to investigate, and we have to illuminate. And how I know that Jesus illuminated here is because it says that the woman left her pot. She ran back home, and she starts to tell everybody, come and see this man. He told me everything about me. He says that he told me everything about me. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone told you everything about you, you'd probably feel shame. Oh, my goodness, if they knew this. They wouldn't want to talk to me. If they knew the thoughts in my head, they wouldn't want to sit next to me. If they knew what I've done, I would be alone. But somehow Jesus tells this woman everything she's done and yet she feels inspired by him. Isn't that the heart of God? God sees everything you've done. He doesn't want to shame you. He doesn't want to condemn you. He actually wants to cleanse you. He wants to love you. He wants to wash you so that you'll be so happy about it. You're so in love with this Jesus. You want to go out and tell people, hey, come and see a man. Notice, she doesn't say, come and get a drink of water. Come and meet a man who knows to tell you where to worship. The analogy has now been replaced by the man himself, Jesus. She doesn't say, come and see the water. She says, come and meet the man because at the heart of all our evangelism, your testimony, whatever you use, the hero of the story is Jesus. It's got to come back to Jesus. The the little analogies you might have, the the initiations, the love you give, the gifts, uh, the kindness, the acts of kindness. You know, that you you walk people across the road, all that kind of stuff. That's great, but it's got to lead to Jesus because that's what changed this woman's life. And it says that Jesus stayed with him for two whole days. And it says after two whole days, many, many, many people also came to the same realization that this woman does. What's that tell me? That Jesus was how he was with her is how he was with the rest of the people. And for two whole days, he illuminated. He shone, he loved. He listened, he investigated, he initiated, he investigated, he shone, he illuminated. And what happened? A whole city got saved. A whole city got saved because of one conversation with one woman that he initiated. Then he investigated and then he just shone. He just loved consistently. If those people had Jesus over for two days and he was like smoking up a joint on day one and then he was beating a disciple on day two, and you know, and none of those things are evil, and if you're you know maybe struggling with those things, don't feel condemned. But just know that Jesus was he lived in a way that was consistent to his message. Yeah, he he shone for those two days so that people could see that and say, I want to grab hold of that. And what this morning is all about is that hey, if we want to be people who can reach people that we've never reached before and see lost people saved that we've never seen saved before, we've got to be people who do things a little bit different. We've got to be we heard it last week, we've got to allow for some change. And my question to you is, will you live unashamed? Will you live unashamed? Here's the question. When's the last time you told someone about Jesus for the first time? When's the last time you told someone about Jesus for the first time? And if that's like 10 years ago, come on, let's live unashamed. If it's last year, come on, let's live unashamed. And even if it's last week, come on, let's live unashamed. There's no quota, there's no pressure, but really sharing the gospel isn't optional. It's a get-to that we get to be a part of, but the mission of Jesus requires us to be a missional people. Love God, love people and make disciples. So maybe this morning, maybe for next steps, your next step is to start initiating, starting to talk to people. You already have people in your family across the dinner table. You don't have to look far, look straight up. Husband, child, start initiating, start loving on them. Start blessing them with no strings attached. Notice, when you initiate and when you investigate, it's not to get them to come to church. Yeah? Jesus never said, hey, do you want living water? Come with me to the temple. Hey, do you want living water? The answer was never come to get it. He was like, I'm right here. When we share Jesus with people, the answer is in you. It's Christ in you. Don't lead them to a place. Lead them to a person. Yeah? And what we're learning as the Ecclesia, that you don't need a witness to people and bring them. If you bring them to church, awesome. They will encounter God here. But why don't you be the church? Why don't I be the church at work, at home, around the table? Let's initiate. Maybe you've got to investigate a little bit. Maybe it's got to cost you some time, uh, some energy, and maybe it's got to illuminate. Maybe we we love Jesus and we're sharing, but we don't really have relationships with people, and we're like a strobe Christian, off and on and off and on and off. and, And we're telling people, don't do this, I shouldn't do this. Don't look at me right now, look at Jesus. Like, as good as that is, we want to live consistently so that we can say, follow me. And whatever you see me do, you do. Follow me, just like Jesus told us. Are you with me, church? I hope you're being encouraged. And I hope right now I'm encouraging you. I'm not sure if you feel encouraged, but I'm exhorting you to what God is calling us to do. Amen. We're called to initiate. We're called to investigate. And we're called to illuminate. And the last thing I want to say here is that what if we started actually doing this? And and this is my assignment for you. During this series, right now, it's nearly the middle of the year. Yeah, we've got six more months. What if we all committed to just bring one person by the end of the year? Yeah, it's roughly, there's over 200 people, but let's just say there's 200 people here. Let's all double that. So we all bring one person, not for number's sake, but because our heart is for the one. We realize God wants to reach the people around us. And if we all brought one person, there's 200 to 400. Next year, we've got a whole another year to bring one more each. So now there's 400 people going to bring one person each. 400 becomes 800. That's already now we're four times the size in three years when I feel like God's called us to four times the size in four years. So we'll actually reach what God is wanting us to reach with one year in the bank. If we all just want one person this year and then one person next year, we've got 800 people before we've got a whole another year to go even more. Are you with me? Yeah, God's spoken to us that my heart is for you to grow four times the size in four years. If we all start sharing our faith like this series is encouraging us to, it's not even doesn't really require faith because it's just set up. We share our faith. We love people and we're just courageous about what Jesus means to us. We're going to see more. We're going to see how hell empty and heaven full. Are you with me? Are you with me? It's so possible. It's so doable. And I want to tell you again that the gospel is personal. So let's not go and bash people. Let's not go and be weird about it. Let's not go and put crowns of thorns on their heads about it. Let's not do that. But it's so personal. Maybe this morning, you're like, you know, Christianity, it's like for the the woman at the wells. But I'm not like her. I'm not broken. I'm not looking for, I'm uh, I'm not souling. I'm not thirsting in my soul. I'm complete. I feel pretty good. And maybe that's genuine and that's what you believe. Cool. Because in one chapter before this story, there's a guy called Nicodemus, and his story is for you. So listen up. Nicodemus is an admirable person. He's a Pharisee which is like he's in the club of the clubs. This is like a high-regarded place. It says that he comes to Jesus at nighttime because he doesn't want his little Pharisee bros to know what he's doing. So He comes at night with a hood, I'm sure. Knocks on the door. Jesus. Jesus like, yeah. He's like, how are you? I know you're a teacher. I know you're from God. But teach us, how can I? You know, I want to know more. And Jesus is talking to this Pharisee. And this Pharisee, who has no need to reference Jesus, calls him teacher. I mean, he gives him, he's a generous spirit of person who recognizes Jesus, although he hasn't studied. And as a Pharisee, they are the most morally educated people in that time. So he he's not immoral. He's not broken. He has morals. He's a person of high standing. He has wealth. He, this guy's doing well. He's got it all together. And what's Jesus say to Nicodemus? Man, you've got to be born again. The conversation's really quick. It's like, hey, Nicodemus, humble yourself. You've got to be born again. And if you've been in church for a while, think about what that means. Yeah? Take the Christian knees off it. You're like, oh yeah. Think of it. You need to be born again. What's he saying? You got to start over. You need to go back to square one. Everything that you've got, Nicodemus, can't doesn't count. You've got to be born again. Start over. That's Jesus's response to the guy who says he's got it all together. Now it's not a coincidence that Jesus says to Nicodemus, "Be born again." The next chapter, we've got a story with a woman at a well who's broken, who seems to be unfulfilled who seems to be starving in her soul yet both stories tell us the gospel and they're back to back which means the gospel of Jesus Christ is not only for the broken in John chapter four it's for the well-meaning well-looking well well organized people in John chapter three the gospel is for everyone and if you think you got it all together you need to be born again if you think you don't have it together guess what you can be born again through the living water You see, the gospel is personal. There's no one who's too good for it. There's no one who's too low for it. Jesus meets you where you're at. He'll lower you or raise you to this place of, yeah, we're all in the image of God. We're all equal in the kingdom of God. Are you with me? The gospel is so personal. And if we try to put a cookie cutter thing to it, it wouldn't work. Jesus talks for like three, 10 verses with Nicodemus, but a whole long passage with a woman who's broken. Why? With Nicodemus, there's pride there. He's like, you need to be born again. He's very confront, you know, in his face. But with the woman, Jesus is kind, he's slow, he's investigating. Why? Because he is so personal, our Jesus. And what if we took that person, that personal God? What if we became like Jesus with people? We're not rushing the conversation to say, come to church. we are going to encounter tonight. Will you come? If you don't come, you're going to hell. Relax. You don't have to win them the first time. Love on them. Initiate, investigate, illuminate. You might sow a seed and then... In- three years of illuminating the guy at work says hey I'm having a problem and when they come to look for you guess what the light's on the light that you talk of it's still shining you're still illuminating so when they're in trouble they're going to run and when they come to guess what the light's on and just like a lighthouse shines a light in the dark night when the ship is lost they look up to the lighthouse and they see the light like that's 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 going to help me if we were people who constantly illuminated man we're going to see change man, we're going to win people and we're going to be dangerous, yeah, as we live under shame, So I'm going to get you to stand to your feet as we finish. Man. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, you can find us at innerlife.org.au.